0: Welcome to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. Here's your host, Hans Christian Wittinghus. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of A Year on Tour with Vittinghus. I've got a real nice episode lined up for you today, so I can't wait for you guys to hear it. And if you do like it, please consider taking out just a minute to write a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts if you listen there, share it on social media, or help me promote it any other way. This is really key to get more people to find out about the great badminton-related podcasts out there. As always, also a huge thanks to all of my amazing patrons for your ongoing support. I will set up another Q&A exclusively for you guys at the end of the month, so stay tuned for that. And if anyone new wants to join in, it's on Patreon.com slash The Magic Happens. Now, without any further ado, here is today's episode. Today's guest is a former Thomas Cup winner, China Open winner, European champion, and is currently ranked 12th in the world in men's doubles. He's also one of the relatively few Europeans to have medaled at the World Junior Championships and he did beat Viktor Axelsen the last time he played him in immense singles. So this is a guy that's pretty used to the concept of success, but he has also had his share of disappointments, so we should in- be in for an interesting chat today. If you're on Instagram, you might know him as Tim. His crazy doubles partner, underscore Rasmussen, calls him that, but his correct name is, of course, Kim Astrup. Kim, welcome to my podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks for uh, taking your time out uh, of your busy schedule. I know you're quite busy this week, so uh, I'm very happy you could find a little bit of time to, uh, to talk to me and all my listeners.
1: Yeah, honestly, I'm a little bit disappointed that I'm um, your third or fourth uh, Danish guest. Uh, I've actually expected uh, to be at least in top two, maybe your number one pick. but uh, yeah. But
0: I actually have a good explanation, it's because I wanted to build up the podcast first, get a lot of listeners in and then I put on the stars. So I have a lot of listeners already that can then listen to you. Yeah, that's a fair
1: answer, but I just think that I could kick off your podcast with a boom and here's a star guest, a true star guest. So let's, no, but but it's okay,
0: it's okay. My apologies, and then that's just good for the listeners to hear that because that means this episode is gonna be lit. It's gonna be amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all right. And uh, to start it off in a not so amazing way, actually, we need to uh, talk just a little bit about some tragic news that happened uh, yesterday. Uh, And it's not to get the mood down, but uh, I thought it was uh, relevant to uh, to mention it, that uh, one of the uh, the big Indonesian men's doubles legends, uh, Makis Kido, unfortunately uh, passed away yesterday. What, uh, what did that make you feel like seeing uh, those news yesterday? Yeah, it made me very sad. Uh, I was
1: uh, reposting as far as I could uh, to make my condolences to um, his family uh, and obviously make a, a tribute to an Amazing athlete, uh, Olympic gold medalist and uh, former world champion, Uh, an amazing player to watch, uh, so skillful with his racket and uh, yeah, he was one of a kind and uh, it makes me very sad uh, to see him pass away way, way, way
0: too early. Yeah, it's quite scary. Really, he's uh, he was only 36, so just one year older than me. And uh, from what I heard, that he got the, a heart attack, and he, he was actually playing badminton at the time when uh, when it happened. Obviously, for us as Danes as well, it uh, it's even more scary than just a few days ago, Christian Eriksen in the uh, the football, uh, the European Championships. He he also had a heart attack on uh, on court or on the field. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's it's quite scary to see these healthy young people uh, just get heart attacks and I know it's it's not that uncommon uh, but it just it kind of gets pretty close right when when you see it with uh, someone that you can identify yourself with right. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's very scary to to watch it on on television as you mentioned Christian Eriksen uh, suddenly had a uh, I, I wouldn't call it a smaller heart attack, but he, uh, he had something uh, with his heart and suddenly dropped down on, on the field uh, where millions uh, of people were watching. So, and then uh, a few days later, uh, this happens to, to Marcus Kido, uh, a badminton legend, so yeah, it, it's coming in close,
0: but uh, yeah. Was, was he ever like uh, like an idol for you, Marcus Kido, or was he just someone that you, you just admired?
1: I admired uh, him and Setehwan when they were playing and uh, obviously in Beijing uh, when mm-hmm. they beat uh, Fu Eifing and Kai Jun. Uh, was uh, an amazing match and just an epic uh, way of playing. Uh, I think it's safe to say that they didn't have the best defense uh, but uh, they just never lifted the shuttle. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were trying to, to play from... Uh, impossible shots uh, from below the table all the time just to get the attack. So they uh, reinvented men's doubles uh, to where it is now. Uh, It's all about getting the attack and uh, the Indonesian style of playing uh, suddenly
0: uh, were in their favor. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I think I should say it is. Sort of the Indonesian way to play. I remember uh, Ahmad and Natsia in the mixed doubles, even at the at the Olympics in Rio. I was commentating on those matches, and I just noticed how they never lifted. And uh, I should say it was exactly the same with the Kido mm-hmm. and Setu. And I don't know if those were the guys who started it, or if it's always been like that. But they were definitely uh, famous uh, famous for, for that.
1: I I actually think they were one of the first pair to not lift at all. Oh. Uh, they were 100% going for the attack all the time. And when they had the attack, they won or or made a mistake. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah, they were just uh, going for the kill every time, and uh, it
0: made it very difficult to play against, I think. Yeah, and very entertaining to watch as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. So this was just uh, our very small uh, tribute to uh, a legend of uh, of the game. Uh, this podcast is uh, it's not going to be all about uh, Marquis Kido, but I thought it was uh, a good place to uh, yeah to pay a little bit of respect from uh, the both of us to uh, to a legend. Definitely, so rest in peace, Marquis Kido. <laughs> we will move on to uh, talking about something uh, a little bit more joyful: the uh, Olympics in Tokyo. That's going to go on in uh, just a few weeks from now, four or five weeks, something like that. I don't know in completely, uh, I'm not completely sure, but I think maybe five, five weeks. weeks. Yeah. And obviously you're going, uh, it's going to be your first Olympics. And I'm sure you want to do as well as Kido did in, uh, in 2008. try my best. Uh, and when I asked questions on my uh, Instagram and Twitter yesterday, that was also the question that the most followers wanted me to ask, was about your preparations, your your goal and so on. So I'll, I'll put it out as a very broad question. What is your expectations for these Tokyo Olympics? Obviously, I
1: have uh, been a sparing uh, partner, player for Matthias Bowen, and Carsten Mogensen uh, two times for the Olympics. Uh, and I have seen how they prepared, So uh, that makes me feel quite comfortable knowing what I have to do to be the best version of myself and what it takes to be 100% and 110% at an Olympics Uh, because everybody who's going is preparing as it was their lifelong dream. Hmm. So everybody is doing their very best to be in the best shape ever at the Olympics. And that's what makes it so special and uh, just a thing you want to do well at. Um, This time I'm just focusing on not to get injured. (laughs) It's my main goal. I've never been through a championship preparation without getting injured. So every time we have been playing a world championships, Uh, a European Championship or whatever championship it has (laughs) been, I've always had a minor injury uh, which uh, caused a setback in Anders and my preparation. So this time the goal is uh, very simple. It's just to keep uh, my body as well as possible and making sure that I don't train too
0: hard. Um, So how are you going to do that? because you just said you also want to be there in the shape of your life so obviously you also want to be training hard but if you have this injury history where you know that when you really push yourself so hard there's a risk you get you get injured how are you gonna solve this
1: I'm trying very uh, much to train smarter not harder and uh, I'm doing a lot of talks and mm-hmm. sit-downs with my physical coach and my mm-hmm. physiotherapist mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and also my coach, Jakob mm-hmm. Uh to manage all my movements as much as possible and uh, try to train as smart as possible and as efficient as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not just all about uh, duration mm-hmm. and uh, enough uh, repetition. It's about uh, quality in every single shot and every single uh, exercise that we do. So uh, I'm I'm very much trying to get as much quality in my practice as I can. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually something that I admired Matthias Bo uh, a lot for because uh, <sighs> I'm not Offending him by saying he wasn't uh, at the physical peak of his life uh, for the last two and uh, tr- three years, maybe uh, of his career. But he was so smart and uh, he knew exactly what he had to do mm. to be the best he could be. And
0: uh, I'm trying to do that as well. Are there also? areas outside of court where you then put in an extra effort because that doesn't maybe take a toll on your body i think like video analysis or uh, yeah stuff like that are there like an an area there where you also put in an extra effort or
1: yeah obviously there's something more that i can do just besides training hard Mm -hmm. so as you mentioned video analysis is something that i worship a lot and uh, i'm doing that a lot and also one of my qualities is, is that I like and I know how to read the game uh, pretty well and uh, I have to be one of the best in the world uh, to keep on competing with the young guys coming up and they are stronger and faster than than me so uh, I have to be at the top of my game
0: uh, mentally and uh, tactically to to keep up with them. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, and uh, we're actually going to talk about your your mentality a little bit uh, later in the uh, in the podcast as well. It's an exciting mentality. It is. It is a very exciting mentality, but you need to have that to be one of uh, the best players in the world, and yeah. you are that, right? Um, so that's a little bit about what your preparations are going to be like. But what do you actually expect? Out of the Olympics because it is going to be a little bit different, right, than the previous Olympics. I know it's the first one for you, but I think we all have this uh, picture in, f- in our mind of what an Olympics is with the uh, Olympic village and being together with all the other athletes, but obviously with the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, it's going to be a little bit different. Have you spent a lot of time thinking about that? And do you know what the restrictions and stuff like that is going to be like uh, when you get there?
1: I know we have to be prepared that it's going to be very strict and uh, also more strict than uh, the restrictions we have in Denmark right now. They are a little bit, uh, how do you say the
0: they're opening up here right now. They're so opening basically up. Basically, everything is open up. Yeah. Moment, and so. we
1: don't have to wear masks and so on. So basically, we have to be prepared to have very strict rules. Mm. And we were having an uh, online meeting yesterday where we were told some of the restrictions and what we could uh, prepare for mm. uh, because it's going to be strict yeah. and uh, we're not uh, going to run around in the olympic village and uh, watch other sports and so on uh, we're only there to to play our own sport mm-hmm. and uh, stay with the people that we are
0: in the same uh, apartment with and yeah. um, uh, h- how do you feel about that like because i think for many players it's also a dream to experience that the olympics experience all the other sports all the other athletes are you a little bit sad or annoyed that you you can't do that or are you just happy you get to go i'm I'm obviously quite happy that we are getting to go, but
1: uh, I'm also happy that we that my mentality always has been like, I don't want to uh, experience an Olympic. I want to be there to compete hmm. and try to win medals. Hmm. So that's what I'm going for this time as well. Uh, so that's the most p- important thing. It's not so much all the surrounding things. It would have been nice. Hmm to experience a normal Olympics, of course, but I hope that I'm maybe trying to uh, experience that in Paris or yeah. who, who, who knows how long I'm playing, but uh, LA 2020, yeah, why, yeah. Not, why not? Uh, but I'm there to fight for medals and that's what I'm going to do.
0: Mm. I'm also pretty sure that if you do indeed end up winning a medal you're going to think it's a pretty amazing experience of course <laughs> yeah so w- talking about that medals and it almost sounds like it's a goal for you to win a medal would you say it is that is the goal or have you not set your target yet as the draw is not out yet as well we that have that's not s- obviously quite important we have
1: not set an, an certain target but uh, my goal from when I started playing badminton was to m- win world championship medals and mm-hmm. Olympic medals yeah. so why not take it the first time you're there. Um, And I'm also like, why settle with a bronze if the Olympic gold is for sale and the Olympic silver is also for sale. Mm -hmm. Everything can happen. Um, There are only 16 pairs who are competing. So why not go for the gold? And then if it's not possible anymore, then see what's
0: what's next. Yeah, I think I guess it's quite fair to say, right, that the Olympics is one of the strongest events in, in terms of the uh, the level of the pairs that are competing because there's so many good pairs not competing because you can only have one or two from from each country right so we have yeah as you say only 16 pairs and in a normal uh, world tour event you have basically 32 good pairs in the yeah. event, right and with a good draw it makes it even more simple to to get into the uh, yeah the quarter final stage yeah, you can
1: you can get extremely unlucky as i see it um, and okay you can end up being in uh, in a group with number 1, number 5 and number 6 in the world and then uh, us as number 12 yeah.
0: and it's hard to win two matches yeah but then you could also be lucky that one match uh, one win is is enough yeah uh, to go through to the second
1: so there's so much on stake uh, in terms of the group uh, draws um, but let's take that when uh, the draws out
0: yeah but i think W- in one way where it's maybe not so fair to say that it's it's a, an easier event than compared to a normal one is that the pressure is probably going to be quite a bit higher, right? Because even though badminton is, it does have some exposure in Denmark, I think it's going to be very different at the Olympics. There's going to be cameras all the time, there's going to be interviews all the time, and a lot of focus. It's going to be on national TV, usually here in Denmark. We are on just a sports channel, so the TV ratings are nice, but it's... Nothing compared to uh, to the Olympics. Do you have already like? Uh, is it something you already addressed with a psychologist, or do we, does your mind not work that way that you really wonder about that? Uh, is it just for you going to be a normal bantamweight match like uh, like any I, other? I think it's
1: it's going to be different, but I like getting more exposure than we are getting now hmm. because it's it's very nice to be acknowledged and. Uh, hmm the attention that the badminton sport deserves also yeah. in Denmark because we have produced so amazing results yeah. not me but in general yeah. and it deserves to be watched and streamed that the main channels in Denmark and the main uh, news channels so I'm looking forward to it uh, and seeing it as a great opportunity to make something out of just out of yourself and Seize the opportunity yeah. Um, yeah What was the other question? Uh, I don't I don't know but
0: I was just wondering if you if you actually address this with your uh, spe- Sports psychologist uh, in any way. No, mm-hmm. uh, but I already felt that the uh, attention
1: is higher and there's so much that you need to do before we are leaving uh, mm-hmm. with all the meetings and anti-doping webinars and Mm. uh, stuff like that uh, which we are not used to so there's so much outside the court that Mm. needs to be settled and you need to get a lot of info Mm. before you can actually focus on what is going to happen on court
0: Mm. yeah because it doesn't work like a normal tournament with anything outside court right no there's
1: so many things that you have to to be prepared for and so many guidelines that you have to follow. You cannot just wander around uh, mm. doing whatever you, you, you want to. So mm. there's a lot of things that you have to be aware of mm. before you can focus on uh, your tactics and uh, your opponents. Mm.
0: All right, that's uh, perfect, Kim. I think that's enough talk about the uh, Olympics. We will change the subject just a little bit. We've already been into it uh, just a little, Uh, but I want to have a little bit deeper uh, conversation about your mentality. I try to uh, have that with most of uh, my guests, because I think it's it's a quite interesting subject. Because we are all uh, world-class badminton players, but we work in different ways, we think in different ways, and uh, I think you also work differently than I do. Um, obviously, we know each other pretty well and we've been in, uh, in some very uh, stressful situations together. We've also been at many big events together. Um, and for me, you and Anas as a pairing can be like very hot and cold. Uh, I hope you will agree with that. Uh, a good example is the trip in January in, uh, in Thailand where you lost a couple of first rounds, and then you go on to win the Swiss Open and uh, make a semi-final in All England as the next two events. Um, so, so sometimes you feel like your, your pairing is yeah very much up and down, hot and cold all the time. Um, and anyone that follows you on social media can also uh, see that you are, you're always very uh, honest about how you feel when things are then going terribly bad for you, or you feel like that you, you can be very honest and open about that you feel like shit to say uh, the say it out loud so uh, i'm just wondering do do you see yourself as a guy that's very controlled by your uh, emotions i'm very controlled by how i feel Uh, and
1: it is something that we're working on uh, anders and i uh, to be more consistent because obviously we have a high Mm. Level, uh, level, when we are playing our best, mm. but our bottom level is, yeah, as you said f- before, shit, uh, <laughs> you were not saying that our level was <laughs> shit, but you're saying we felt like shit. Mm. And when we're not feeling well, uh, mm. and getting uncomfortable on court, we're not playing well. Mm. Uh, so there's a huge difference between our level when we're playing
0: uh, well mm. and when we are not playing well. And so is that mainly because of uh, something in your mentality, like that you don't feel so well on court? Or has it also something to do with your game perhaps? Is, is that things there that? It's a
1: combination between how we are thinking about ourselves on mm-hmm. court uh, and our level of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also feel OK on court mentally and just not play that well. but. Mm-hmm. Most often, I think it's because that we are mentally under pressure and we have uh, very difficult finding a way out of the trouble. So where does that pressure come from? Mainly ourselves. And also, I think uh, the media has uh, quite much influence on how everybody else is thinking about me and uh, Anders for the last two years, I think three years after we won the China Open, mm-hmm. everybody uh, everybody in Denmark uh, expected us to be that number one pair in Denmark and obviously be in the top of the world mm. uh, because now we have shown that we could beat the top players and the top pairs. And uh, we're so
0: used to having a top pair in men's doubles as well,
1: right? Yeah, the traditions is just that we're used to have very many uh, world-class uh, doubles uh, players. Uh, Mm. And now there is me and Anna's, and then we have a few young guys who's uh, improving, but they're not at the very top yet. Mm. So I think that the pressure uh, is from the media every time that we are losing a match that they don't see us losing and they haven't maybe done their research uh, very mm. well. And they are just looking at the world ranking and mm. seeing that we're losing to an Indonesian pair who's uh, number 43 or 53 in the world uh, and saying we are number 12 in the world. So how can you lose that match? Mm. And uh, I just feel that sometimes they're not researching how was the uh, match going and uh, what was their preparations for this tournament? yeah,
0: uh, Yeah. so you feel like it's a little bit black and white. They just look at the ranking numbers and yeah, yeah. they're high rank, they should win. There's not a lot of uh, I depth I've into the analysis. Yeah, I, I definitely
1: think that. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's also something that I've been mentioned quite a few times now mm-hmm. uh, to when I, s- uh, I, when I speak with people I know, uh, I'm like, they are very black and white in their analysis mm-hmm. and uh, in their articles. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think the ma- the biggest pressure comes from ourselves that, mm-hmm. of course, we want to beat everybody mm-hmm. and uh, compete in the big tournaments at the semifinal stages mm-hmm. and uh, the final stages as we are, were doing well in 2018. Mm-hmm. And also uh, for quite some time in 2019. Um, but every year we have won a Super 300 or more. Uh, so it's not like we don't uh, play well anymore. Mm. It's just mm. like all the focus is on the negative side mm. instead
0: of when we do well, mm. um, so... It doesn't get the same level of attention or focus as the uh, the, the bad results Yeah,
1: uh, No, the big upsets is uh, 80 or 90% of the mm. media coverage. Mm. And that's, that takes a torn on you, but... Mm. It's also something that you have to deal with when you want to be one of the best players and Mm. pairs in the world. So it's not an excuse to lose more matches. Uh, It's Mm. just, uh, oh, it's uh, so sorry for me that the media are writing bad things (laughs) about me. Mm. It's not like that. It's just, I'm trying to explain why we are feeling this pressure Mm. and why it's getting bigger.
0: H- how do you work with that? On a, you said that you and Annas are, are working on it in general to be more consistent, but how do you work also on a psychological level on try and maybe blocking it out a little bit more so it doesn't affect you in, in the same way? We, we had some
1: sit downs with our psychologists and trying to talk everything through. Uh, both together, me and Anna's, and the psychology, uh, uh, psychologist, um, and also individual uh, conversations with the mm-hmm. psychologist. Um, we're not doing that right now because we were not feeling like we were going anywhere uh, and it was taking too much time out of our calendar uh, compared to what we were getting out of mm-hmm. it. Um, and I so guess that,
0: that's the thing, right, with working with the sports psychologist. It's it's not an easy fix. You cannot uh, just take one meeting or two meetings and then it's all f- all solved. It, it really takes a lot of time and consistent work to, to actually yeah, get and somewhere.
1: It's also quite difficult to measure. Uh, yeah. It's not like uh, now we have uh, done this uh, uh, five uh, meetings and uh, now now I don't uh, get angry and frustrated anymore yeah. on court. Now yeah. I just can control my emotions. It's not yeah. like that. Yeah. It's uh, different every time you go on court yeah. and your feeling uh, when you step on the court is, is so different every time, yeah. at least for me. Yeah. Uh, so when I step on court at the first round in Swiss Open this year, I felt like shit. Mm-hmm. I was so uh, okay. nervous and it's so that, like that
0: was the first event after the January trip, yeah, right.
1: Yeah. And I was playing very bad, mm. and I was like, "Ah, oh, it's not happening. This it, this can't be happening." But mm. uh, I told Anna's how I felt mm. uh, when it was like seven four, seven two, or something like that in the first game. So mm. I was, I'm I'm pretty quick to say when I'm not feeling comfortable to Anna's, not to everybody, mm. but to Anas because I trust him and he's my doubles partner. So we need to share these emotions with each other. Uh, and sometimes it helps for me to be honest with myself and towards him. Mm. And then it's also easier for him to take some responsibility. Uh, and he forgets that he's maybe also a little bit nervous, but mm. he has no time to be nervous and he has no time to play like shit because mm. I'm feeling shit. Yeah. So he has to take the leader uh uh role on mm-hmm. court uh, when i'm not feeling well mm. and that worked very well for him mm. and it worked w- very well for me as well because um, slowly we were getting into the game and uh, yeah we got it under control in the second and the third game but uh, from there on and forth I was feeling like I was one of the best players in the world, and we were playing so well for yeah. the rest of the tournament. Yeah. Uh, beating Chirac, Shetty, and,
0: uh, and Ranky Ready.
1: Ranky Ready, and um, also Lamps mm. was entitled in the final, mm. uh, playing very well. Yeah,
0: and I, I think that's one of the uh, one of the things I thought about when, <laughs> when thinking about your mentality and you being quite uh, emotionally controlled, or what you would call it, that yeah, maybe in some ways it can be a yeah, weakness, but in other ways, I also think it's really one of your strong points, because a really good example I remember is from uh, from Thomas Cup in 2016, when you uh, played really bad in the first game against the uh, Ku-King and Tan Boon Hyong in the semi-final. And you were like so pissed. And uh, yeah, I think everyone in Denmark knows this uh, uh, on court, uh, uh, coaching, yeah, where well, Lazua, our national team coach at the time, he was uh, coaching you guys, and you looked like someone who basically wasn't listening to what he said because you he was, was
1: he was yeah. very calm,
0: yeah, and I you you were the opposite.
1: I was furious. Mm. I I couldn't bear the thought of us being uh, down one-two mm. in the semifinal in Thomas Cup, and it was us who was the fault. Uh, yeah. It was us who was causing not. Uh, to play the deciding game and maybe have a shot of uh, going into the finals. I couldn't bear that thought uh, of not giving our 100% or at least just try to get the shuttles over the net and force them to make mistakes. We were just throwing it away and making uh, 21
0: mistakes. and so I, I just remember so clearly exactly what you said that uh, i know we should not swear on a podcast but we have to and you said we need to take some fucking responsibility and i think that just really shows also with how you then played on the next two games where you played like you were obsessed it really shows that when your emotions are triggering you in the right way you can also be basically impossible to beat right so so it goes both ways uh, both ways i think with your this emotionally controlled type of guy?
1: It's a fine line Mm. uh, because, yeah, sometimes it works Mm. and sometimes it really doesn't work, Mm. so... uh, yeah. yeah,
0: and another good example, and I, I, it leads me to the next question: is uh, in Swiss Open when you won, uh, when we were watching the matches on TV, we could also see that you, you basically behaved like a, a maniac on court. You were talking loudly all the time and running and around, and you could just see that you were you were in a zone again where you looked basically unbeatable. Why is it then, at the next event or the other events that goes after, you you will not necessarily see the same? Uh, same mentality? I, is it because it's, it's just, you can't just automatically be in that zone?
1: Uh, it's that not like an off and on switch. Mm. Uh, I, I try for it to be like that. Mm. Uh, so when I feel something needs to happen, I can tell Anas that now, it's now. Mm. And we are uh, getting crazy on court, and mm. others can be crazy as well. It's not only
0: yeah, me. No, 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 <laughs> so no. no, no, no. Uh, yeah. I'm just talking um, to you now, but I will yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will hold him accountable
1: <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I feel when we are switching it on, it's not like we're disrespectful mm. uh, towards our opponents or something like that. We're just in our zone, and we are using our energy together. And that's a big force for us. Um, because when we go silent, it's not good for either one of us. Uh, Anas likes to talk a lot uh, outside the court. And he also likes uh, it to be like that on court. He's just also feeling the pressure sometimes and that makes him silent. But when we are in the zone, you can see that his head is up high and his chest is up and mine is as well. And I'm running around and screaming and uh, saying how good he is and uh, stuff like that. I, I really like that. Uh, about when we are in the zone, that mm. our communication is so direct and so uh, happy. Mm. Uh, it's uplifting playing mm. in that environment, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I like that uh, a lot. Um, so when we go silent, it's because we're not feeling well.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's at least one point where, <laughs> where we react in a bit of the the same manner that if I go silent as well, it's because uh, I turn very self-destructive, and I think it's the same for for you and Anas. Uh, and I remember Annas told me it's it's quite some time ago now, but at one point you were you were working on not being so self-destructive, actually. Uh, so when you had played bad, you did not want to kind of keep punching yourself uh, in the head with the yeah with the bad. Uh, um bad thoughts afterwards Mm. and uh and how bad we are
1: and how how can we lose again and stuff like that
0: yeah Uh, is that still something you you are focused on or
1: yeah it's working quite well i think Uh, after our uh, trip in january uh obviously we lose uh we lost uh, two first rounds and that was not what we had hoped for Hmm. But again, if you make an analysis of the two matches that we're losing, we're losing to Lee and Wang, who's uh, obviously uh, impossible to beat (laughs) in Thailand. They play pretty well in Thailand. Uh, Winning three (laughs) tournaments in a row Mm. and then uh, going for a break for uh, seven months uh, (laughs) before they're playing the Olympics. So that's an interesting uh, preparation as well. Uh, And then we lost to uh, Leo Rolli and uh, Daniel Martin, who were playing very well as well. Actually, in the second ge- match against uh, the Indonesian pair, we played quite well. Mm. And we were winning the first game and playing with confidence and also a very high energy level. Mm. And it took a lot for them to beat us in uh, in three games, 21, 19 and third. So, again, the media wrote that mm. it was a disappointing trip and it was a disappointing trip, but our level was not far away from being great. Mm. And if we had just won one of the two first rounds, who knows what could have happened? It could have Uh, been a completely different story. It it really could. And I felt like that. Mm. So I was not as upset as Mm. sometimes uh, when we have lost uh, two first rounds and going home. And I also think that we were on the right path of Mm. uh, something good. Mm. And our level showed that in in Swiss and a little bit at All at England as well, uh, yeah. we played well, so...
0: Yeah, I do uh, actually also remember your updates in Thailand back then, and I remember back then I thought that you actually took it in a pretty good way, that you didn't seem like you kept on just punching yourself also, because it was a difficult situation, we haven't been playing events for a long time, so that way it could hurt even more that you then do not perform the way you, you want to. And we missed
1: the World Tour Finals as something that we r- really want to play, yeah. uh, Higher price money, yeah. and, uh, it's a motivation for yeah. us uh, yeah. and good uh, world ranking points as yeah. well. So there was a lot of things that we could have uh, uh, achieved.: been, Yeah, could have achieved, and uh, could have uh, been a lot of negative uh, thoughts. Yeah. but uh, yeah we took it quite well, and we also came back pretty strong.
0: I guess winning a Swiss Open and a semifinal in All England, that's a, a pretty good comeback. Yeah. Final part, Kip. Before uh, I let you go to all your uh, meetings about the Olympics mm. and restrictions and training schedules and uh, yeah, whatnot, you have so many things to do. So uh, we will skip on to the uh, listener questions part. I always ask questions on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and Patreon. And once again, I got a lot of good ones, so thanks to all the listeners for, uh, for all the questions.
1: I can't say thank you yet, but maybe I'll do after I've heard the questions.
0: I'm pretty sure you will enjoy the first one I picked out for you. It's from uh, someone called uh, Jordan Edgar on Instagram. And he simply asks, what are your best modeling tips as the main model of Danish badminton? And I chose to put this question in because we just finished a photo shoot. We are sitting here in uh, Brøndby Hallen, the National Training Center. Did
1: did you notice how many times I was standing up and uh, my name was called out, oh, I want Kim again?
0: Exactly, exactly. So, you are the main model of Danish badminton. So, do you have any tips for uh, an aspiring young model as Jordan and uh, everyone else? Yeah, just be yourself. Uh, I'm
1: I'm obviously very pretty, uh, (laughs) but...
0: (laughs) Do you have like a special uh, hair routine?
1: Uh, Someone asked about that as well. Yeah, I'm almost never using wax. Okay. That's uh, a very good tip yeah. uh, because it keeps your hair healthy. Mm. Um, I wash my hair and then I, I dry it with a towel and then it just yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> that is it's just dry. It's fantastic it advice. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing <laughs> advice. And it's not very common in Denmark not to use wax. A lot of Danish guys use wax. So uh, it makes me look more natural, and I think that's something that
0: many people uh, admires uh, by looking at me. I'm sure. I'm sure that's that's true. That's true. We will we will move uh, on I to have like I have I uh, have more one more tip. Okay. Um, one more. One
1: more. Try when you're taking pictures to smile with your eyes and not
0: your teeth. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. It sounds like uh, what a lot of the young people would say as well. Do you actually still feel like you're one of the young ones?
1: Uh, No, I feel like I'm um, one of the old ones because uh, I can see it's one example Mm. uh, with the old generation that uh, dominated the training center when I was young uh, was uh, Fischer and Matthias Bo and Carsten Mogensen in a few Um, and Sometimes they got really annoyed by our uh, uh, feeding mm-hmm. uh, and uh, just uh, our uh, daily feeding yeah, in the exercises. And I took myself last week in thinking, why are the young ones <laughs> not getting this? Can't they see that this is so unrealistic? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I felt old. Because that was something that Matthias or Fischer could have said uh, Mm. 10 times to me. Mm. But you
0: know, I have one test that will show if you're old or not. Yeah? Are you on TikTok? No. Yeah, so you're old. (laughs) (laughs) Next question, came is from uh, Kristin Kobelmar on Instagram. And she asks, if you have any tips for lefties that are in double pairings with righties? that's from a fellow lefty so Kristen is also a lefty
1: yeah good to hear um yeah obviously you want to set up a system or as many system as possible where you're playing each other's forehand as much as possible so when you're playing with a right-hander um when you attack from the back line uh, rear court um you have to play angles which makes uh, the possibility of the return of that attack uh, go towards your um, partner's forehand and also in the service situation you can set up uh, certain systems that makes it possible for you guys to cover with both your forehands and Mm -hmm. use that as a strength
0: i think that's very good advice Yeah. I hope you heard that, uh, Kristen.
1: Oh, and yeah, one more. In addition, yep. uh, no, in addition to this, Matthias and Carsten uh, was some of the very best uh, to do this and set this up. So maybe go watch some of the, their old matches. Uh, and when I'm saying old matches, uh, you have to go at least six years back.
0: Mm. Yeah. That says a little bit about how old those guys are. Yeah, they're are. very old. I actually hope Matthias is uh, listening to this I also hope, one, yeah. because I'm listening to <laughs> his podcast. Yeah, me too, me too. It's uh, yeah, stock investment uh, podcast, right? Yeah,
1: AXIE yeah. Universal, it's in yeah. Danish.
0: We did actually uh, do a little bit of uh, branding or a promotion of it when I, I had Matthias on the podcast. Okay. I forgot about that, yeah. So you're maybe number five N- from Denmark, yeah. You had Matthias. Uh, <laughs> before, before you, me. Yeah, but that's because I also needed a coach, and he's but coaching. But he's so old. 80. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a mistake. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, I have one here from uh, Shinasuka on Twitter, uh, who asks, how would you describe yourself and your partner, Anas? And I'm not sure if uh, this person means uh, you as a person or as a pairing, but a lot of people were asking about your relationship, you and Anna. So how would you describe that, your relationship between you and Annas? Yeah,
1: he, he started off when we partnered together in 2011, I think, maybe. Hmm. Uh, he started off by being okay. the mature one and uh, the one that I leaned towards for guidance and uh, advice those roles have switched now even though he's a father of uh, a child and uh, a new one is coming uh, so congratulations to to him and his wife um, the roles have switched so i feel like i'm the old one now who is more mature and knows what's right and what's wrong uh, and i'm quite satisfied with that because it shows how much i have evolved and uh, how little he has <laughs> um, he's still very uh, childish and he's actually
0: going backwards in his
1: evolution. Yeah it's like Benjamin Barsom <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah our our relationship is good uh, it's professional but when we're traveling so much together we also like to have fun yeah, yeah. It's, it's getting quite boring if it was a professional all the time. So when we spend so much time together, it's, it's important that we can have fun with each other. Um, but we have spent very much time together for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he, he's the one that knows me the best. So I, I maybe think that he knows me better than my girlfriend as well, because mm-hmm. he really knows uh, which button to push if he wants to make me angry. Sad or happy, so uh, he knows me very really well.
0: And with that, you also answered uh, one of the other questions I got a lot of. If you do have a girlfriend, and you do,
1: I, I do have a girlfriend,
0: <laughs> and we've been together for six years. That's that's pretty amazing. But I actually, I had just have two small follow up uh, questions uh, in regards to uh, you and Anna's. I hope uh, it's six years partnership. I'm yeah, let's say that. I don't yeah. think Stine hears this no, no, anyway, no, no, so, no, <laughs> so no, it doesn't matter. Um, but. Do you see there's any chance for you to be partnering someone else than Annas at some point in the future?
1: I think it's a possibility, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if everything goes as planned or as hoped for, uh, Anas will maybe retire a little bit before me, mm-hmm. uh, if my body can take the, the physical pressure. Um, I want to keep on uh, playing for, yeah, at least, four to six years more Mm. uh, maybe even longer if my body uh, is allowing me to Mm. so that that would mean that i have to to partner up with somebody else and i'm also uh, not going to lie i'm i'm following some of the young guys and uh, see if there are somebody improving and somebody who's looking uh, exciting and uh, see if they improve uh, during the next uh, couple of years um if it could be interesting to partner up with one of them. So I'm hoping that the young guys are training well and developing and are hungry to to be one of the best because uh, I think maybe there's going to be a chance in the future that uh, Anas and I won't play together.
0: And to those of my listeners who don't know here in Denmark, it's not necessarily only the national team coaches who decide who plays together, right? You also have a say uh, of yourself if you want to have a new partner or if you want to stay with the, the yeah. Everyone, right? Of course, it's something you talk together about everyone, right? Yeah, we can, we can make the decision together.
1: Uh, so I also have a say in, yeah. if I uh, don't see, uh, this player that maybe they're mm. suggesting uh, a player, and I don't see it's a, a perfect fit for for me. Uh, I can say my opinion, and they will also take that into regard.
0: Yeah. Alright, final one before I let you go is, simply uh, I, I thought it was a pretty uh, odd question, but I, I also <laughs> understood why this person asked it. I forgot to write down uh, the name of the person, but uh, she or he was asking about your training routines, because often on your Insta videos they only see you doing skills, so alone. So she or he is asking how much do you actually train together with Anas and how much do you do one against one exercise? Yeah, or it, sort of it technical is stuff.
1: Uh, an interesting question and a good question. Uh, maybe... 60% of the time I'm yeah. playing with others, and 40% of the uh, overall practice I'm doing alone. Yeah. So we are doing two versus one uh, where I'm alone yeah. on the court and the skills I'm doing alone, technical sessions I'm doing alone. Yeah. But all the service situations, uh, we are practicing that together to yeah. get the right system as I mentioned before. Yeah and playing each other in, uh, playing each other uh, great, mm-hmm. uh, if you can say that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe 60-40.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a good point also for the listeners to hear that uh, if you want to have a strong, strong partnership you don't necessarily have to train together all the time, right? There's lots of things you can work on as an individual player and then just work on some systems, I should say, uh, at, uh, at, uh, at other times. Yeah. Right, Kip. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Uh, it was great to have you on, and we will see on the listener numbers if you did better than the other Danes.
1: Yeah, I. I would have preferred me to not be. B- very boring, but I also like to be serious when I talk, uh, because I was a little bit uh, after you and Anna uh, Sanderson on your mm. new podcast, mm. uh, which I listened to and I fell asleep during that. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's, let's see how many
0: of your uh, listeners who's uh, falling asleep to this one. Yeah, well, I didn't fall asleep. I thought it was quite interesting. Uh, and this is also a format where it is allowed to be serious and talk a bit more in depth. So that's I good. I like that. That's great. Thanks so much, Kim, for uh, for joining. And uh, I guess I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Just as expected, very nice chatting with Kim and I think he also offered a good look into why him and Anas can seem so hot and cold as a pairing sometimes. What I liked the most though was the part he said at the very beginning about his goal for the current Olympic buildup, which is to stay injury free. Having been close to Kim in training for many years now, I know how much of a hurdle that has been for those guys and I know the frustration courses so I thought it was quite interesting to hear how he has set his mind on staying clear from injuries and also admitting it will sometimes mean he will train a little less than what he's been doing previously he used the phrase train smarter not harder which I know has been said before it's not something Kim just came up with but it aligns so well with my philosophy I'm sure we all believe in dosing your training according to a physical level but I'm also a <clears throat> sorry, a strong believer of dosing it according to your motivational level. Training more is just not always the right move. On the contrary, it can have the exact opposite effect than what you desire if you do not handle it the right way. For me, it's a lot better to train less with higher intensity, the right motivational level and level of focus. But of course, it's also always an act of balancing it. It's not easy, but it isn't supposed to be either. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Thank you for listening to A Year on Tour with Wittinghus. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, share and leave a comment in iTunes or your preferred podcast app.